Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We have an incredible guest on today's show, and we have been so excited for this one for months. She is a fertility specialist, a Harvard University awarded scholar and has been practicing for over 20 years. The one and only Gabriella Rosa. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, wow. What a pleasure. It's been such an honor to be invited to you know, have a chat with you guys. So thank you. Thank you again. And like I said, we've been, um, you know, um, chatting for a while now to try and get you onto the podcast. You know, we had intentions of um, recording in person uh, around the Arnold's weekend here in Melbourne, but obviously COVID. Um, So we're doing it via Zoom now, but nonetheless, it's going to be an incredible episode. I'm so excited for this one. Yeah. And the reason why we wanted someone like yourself, Gab, was because daily we get questions Mm. on hormones, periods, women's health and all of this. Mm. And I'm going to be honest, there's so much that I still need to learn. Same, like that we both need to learn. And obviously having your experience, you know, 20 years in the industry with the actual qualifications and the authority behind a lot of the stuff and information that we want to deliver, um, I think you girls are going to get so much value from this, so, so much. So, um, you know, get your notepad out. Um, I know I'll be re-listening to this one and definitely taking some notes for myself. Can I also mention, um, author, author, <laughs> yeah. author of an amazing book. Yeah, so fertility breakthrough. Yeah, overcoming infertility and recurrent miscarriage when other treatments have failed. Mm. Yeah. So, Gabby, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, look, I originally trained as a naturopath. So, you know, from my background is very holistic and looking at how it is that as women. We can optimize our health, optimize our energy, optimize our hormones in such a way that, you know, well-being is the priority because at the end of the day, a healthy body is a fertile body. And there are so many different challenges, you know, that women face on their reproductive journey as couples as well. You know, a lot of times women get the brunt of, you know, fertility or infertility is a woman's issue or miscarriage Mm -hmm. is a woman's issue. And the truth is that nothing could be further from that reality it's fertility is a couple's issue and when it doesn't happen as easily or as you know quote unquote normally as we would expect we really do need to be looking at what are the biochemical obstacles that are getting in the way you know what we know and this is based on epidemiological research of populations around the world when a couple is at peak fertility we're looking at an average of three months time to pregnancy so really it's Get, have sex, get pregnant, have a baby done. We're no longer having this conversation. When mm. we're still having this conversation beyond, you know, that six months, 12 months, in our clinic, we treat people who have been infertile, have experienced recurrent miscarriage for more than two years. We really need to start asking, what are the other things that are getting in the way? And a huge aspect to this, you know, is the lead up preparation. And sometimes we're talking about decades leading up to a conception attempt, because think about it. 
we start menstruating when we're 13, 14, some women or some girls earlier than that. These days, what we're seeing because of environmental factors, you know, endocrine disruptors in our environment, xenoestrogens, you know, all of these plastics and plastic compounds that we have around, what's happening is that girls are actually starting to menstruate much earlier, nine and 11. Mm. And as a result of that, menopause is coming earlier as well. And yet we are living longer than every, any other generation in our time. And as a result, even though our fertility windows, you know, ideally would be extended given the fact that we're living longer, that is actually not the case. Mm. So a lot of women think that, you know, I'm going to be on contraception for 20 years of my reproductive life. I'm going to come out of off the pill or out of whatever other hormonal contraception I'm having. And all of a sudden I'm going to be able to get pregnant and have a healthy baby when I choose. You know? yep. <laughs> yep. I love that. And, yep. and, and that's the delusion. That is it the, is. an absolute delusion. Yeah. Mm. I was so naive um, about pregnancy and fertility until I became a midwife. Um, you know, it's normally the other way around. Normally a lot of people have children and then go into midwifery in that style. But I was the opposite. And then I was like, wow, it's actually really hard to get pregnant. It's not yeah. just put it in and do the deed and have a baby. It really just doesn't work like that. Because that's what no. we're taught in yep. schools. Yep. We're taught, yeah. Safe, you know, that, and it's taught that it happens like this if we're mm. not careful and it insists. Exactly. Yeah. Whoops. Absolutely. And, and you know what's interesting, you know, like, and this is what a lot of women and men don't realize is that actually in any given cycle, a woman has on average 20% chance of getting pregnant. It's wow. a wonder any of us are here. <laughs> I love our odds. Really? We're all fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's it. That's exactly right. It's a 20% chance. And when you add obstacles to optimum fertility, what ends up happening is that those chances decrease further and further and the average time to pregnancy increases more and more to a compounding effect that sounds ridiculous. Like, you know, if you add one obstacle to optimum fertility, let's say polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS or, you know, motility of sperm, not, you know, sperm not swimming as well as it could or sperm count being low. All of those are just considered as one factor to, you know, as an obstacle to optimum fertility. You add one of those, and again, this is epidemiological research, right? Mm. So it's looking at populations around the globe. You add one minor factor to the equation, all of a sudden the average time for pregnancy that was three months compounds to two years mm. so it's a huge compounding effect you add a second minor factor we get seven years and a third gives us an average of 40 years time to pregnancy the reality is nobody wow. has 40 years to get pregnant but this is what happens and you know, this is one of the diagrams that we use to show people you know mm. people often go around in circles for a really long time when they're wanting to actually have a baby and are having difficulty and getting out of that is really vital because otherwise this is where people run out of time, even yeah. before they start progressing to where they want to be in terms of having a baby. So, you know, all of this really starts in our teen years mm, and in yeah. our early adult years, where when we get off the pill, like, for, for example, for me, when I was 18, I actually was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. So what ended up happening was that I got off the pill. I had been on the pill for one year. I had gotten off the pill because I realized through my studies that it was actually really not great for my You got onto it early. I know, freaking Absolutely. Through studying, right? And so I basically realized that, okay, well, this is actually not what I want my future to look like. And I want to give my body the ability that it has to do things in the most natural way possible. So I decided to get off the pill. And as I did, I didn't get a period. 
and I was 18. And I was like, hang on a second, this is really strange. I'm not pregnant. I've done multiple pregnancy tests and I don't have a period. This is not normal. Right. And I realized this and I went and, and at the time I was really it was fascinating because I used to work for a group of obstetrician gynecologists. And so I actually ended up asking one of the female gynies, can you just tell me what you think I should do here? Because I have gotten up the pill. I'm not pregnant. I haven't had a period for six months. She goes, look, you probably need to have some blood tests and some ultrasounds. And I didn't really, really, really want to go to see a doctor in the clinic that I worked because I thought that was a bit strange. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up actually finding a different doctor and I went and saw him. Worst bedside manner I've ever seen in my whole life. Oh. Um, literally, I walk into the office and I tell him, you know, what I had said. And he said, okay, I'm going to get you to do a pregnancy test. I said, I've done multiple. Like of course you would have like done Like they don't one. trust you. But yeah. you got yeah. Exactly. I I'm not said, pregnant. I'm done pregnant. Yeah. I'm not pregnant. He, you, know what he turned, you know what he turned around and said to me? He said to me, every woman's pregnant until proven otherwise. Oh, he didn't. Uh, I didn't. Pregnant. He did. Nah. He did. Nah. He did. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I was furious. Oh, but you know, oh, as an 18 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, as, a, as an 18 year old, what do you say to that? When a guy who's like 65, yeah, exactly. you know? And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Let's do a pregnancy test so that you can be, you know, uh, proven wrong. Yeah. But anyway, that's fine. So I did a pregnancy test. He goes, okay, look, there's a few other blood tests I want you to do. Just call me in two days for the results. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So he said, I said to him, you don't want me to come in? And he goes, no, no, just call me. Like, okay, fine. So two days later, here I am. I pick up the phone, I call. And he said, literally, not, hi, how are you going? Got your results. Thank you. You know, it was, oh, Gabriella, okay, yeah. Um, you have polycystic ovarian disease. Oh. And, and I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? And, uh, and he goes, well, you're probably never going to have children. So, no. you know, it's literally those are the words. And I'm like, asshole. you know, as, as an 18-year-old, you kind of go, okay, well, children, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like for me anyway, some people would have been completely devastated because that's the whole dream, right? Yeah. For me, it wasn't at that time. I was very focused on career and it was very much, you know, okay, let's just, um, let's just figure this out when we come to it. Mm. But literally, that was what I was left with. You have polycystic ovarian disease. I actually asked, am I going to die? Like, what does that actually mean? You're just probably never going to have children. I'm like, okay, is there anything I should do? You know, is there anything I should know, anything that I should do from here to, you know, help my body and, you know, to see if I can get a period? No. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Oh. Bye. Surprised he didn't prescribe the pill. Oh, and you know what? I actually was shocked. And what the thing is, I think he didn't because I, I, I told him I just got off the pill, uh, but he probably would have, you know. But you know what, Cab? I had an experience like that and he told me to go back on the pill. So, yeah, well, and yeah. this is the thing. And this is exactly what goes on because, you know, it, there is such a misconception out there because you don't have periods or your mm. periods are irregular when you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, the way to regulate, quote unquote, mm. periods is to get on the pill. Well, actually, no, oh. because what ends up happening is that that's just giving you an artificial mm. cycle and yep. it's doing nothing for your body mm. in the way that it needs to be able to operate in order for you to have a normal, regular cycle. Mm. And so that took me 10 years to figure out, yeah. <laughs> actually. You know, so after that diagnosis, I'm kind of like just living life. And, you know, obviously, as we know, with polycystic ovarian syndrome, it is easier for you to put on weight. Acne becomes an issue. 
you know, you've got male androgen, basically it's an androgen issue. And so male hormones are exacerbated within the system. There is a hormonal imbalance that goes on. Typically pro prolactin increases and your testosterone levels and DHEA and all of your uh, androgenic hormones basically increase. And so you end up with pattern, uh, male pattern hair growth. You end up with acne. You end up with, uh, you know, often with PCOS, women have blood sugar regulation issues, insulin resistance. There are many different types of metabolic impacts that PCOS can have. And at the time, I really didn't, I, first of all, I couldn't piece those things together. I didn't really quite understand it. I knew that it was important for me to have a regular cycle. And I had always grown up with, you know, my mother's kind of a guidance, I guess. And it was really great guidance to ensure that I always tracked my cycle. You know, oh, even a from a young girl, yeah. Absolutely. So always, you know, she'd go, okay, here's a calendar. Make sure that you put in first day of your period and mm. how many days you bleed for. And, you know, yeah. and every month you just want to do that because you want to make sure that you know what's going on. Just have some kind of reference. Yeah. Right. When you have PCOS, guess what? You might not have a cycle for a year. Yeah. Right? And for me, when, when I first got dug, I mean, now, once I figured out what I needed to do and I started doing it, and we'll talk more about that, you know, in a moment. Mm. But, you know, once I figured that out, well, guess what? All of a sudden now I've done, I'm done with my, my, my kids. I actually ended up conceiving naturally two beautiful boys. One is seven, one is four. Yeah. They're both turning eight and five this year. But, you know, it all happened as a result of me being able to understand what my cycle was doing. And incidentally, if I didn't chart my cycles, I would have never known because guess yep. what? My usual ovulation time at the time when I was trying to conceive, now it's 14 days, you know, it's kind of pretty much clockwork because I figured it out. But when I first started trying to conceive, my ovulation was, you know, I conceived one child with an ovulation on day 33 of my cycle mm. and another child with ovulation day 30, 30 of my cycle. So mm. you can imagine there is a pattern to that. Day 30 to 33 ovulation is pretty patterned. But what ends up happening is that this gets mislabeled as irregular cycle, abnormal cycle, you know, there is no pattern to the cycle, which is not actually true until yep. you actually start to realize what is your own body's pattern. Mm. And that is extremely important to be able to recognize, especially when you have reproductive conditions that may cause imbalance in any way, shape or form. You know, we're talking about re-regular cycles and PCOS right now, but the same applies to things like, for example, endometriosis, that even though it doesn't actually give us an irregular cycle, women with endometriosis have severe pre-cycle periods, uh, uh, symptoms, mm. and, you know, lots of symptoms during a period and so on and so forth. And so when we're able to actually see what's happening with that and have some idea and education of what we can expect within our own monthly cycles, guess what? All of a sudden we have control over what's going on. Yep. Even though, you know, a lot of women, when there are reproductive conditions, feel completely out of control and yep. really uncertain about what it is that they need to do to resolve that particular situation. So I think that, you know, that one little piece of understanding what's happening with your cycle, when it's due, what, you know, there's a fantastic app actually, it's called Natural Contraception, I think it's called. And it's, a, it's an app that, you know, you chart your basal body temperatures on every morning before you get out of bed, you pop it into the cycle, it actually, into the app, it actually gives you predictions in terms of when you're likely to be ovulating, when you're likely to be menstruating. What's fascinating about the female reproductive cycle when it comes to ovulation, 
is that there, is, there are very specific symptoms that you notice. If you're tracking your cycles, you will see, for example, cervical mucus. You know, we all have mucus throughout the month, vaginal mucus. And what happens is that when we're about to ovulate, that mucus becomes very egg white-like. It yeah. becomes very stretchy, very egg white-like. It certainly is very, it's much slipperier than, you know, what is like, for example, you finish your period, two to three days after that, you have very tacky, very thick mucus. Then it starts to become a little bit more stretchy, but still it's kind of breaks at around that kind of two, two and a half centimeter mark. Then it starts to become much stretchier, you know, as uh, ovulation uh, approaches. At ovulation time, literally, you can stretch mucus for like 30 centimeters. Right? <laughs> and it's sad. Great visuals, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, but you see, these are the types of things that women need to become really comfortable aware of. With yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Because I was going to say, like you said, you know, I think naturally we always um, are like, oh, a bit shy about talking about it, but we should be able to talk openly about, um, you know, our discharge and and identify these sorts of things. And I know in myself when I first went off contraception. Um, I, for the whole time, I just felt like nothing was going on in there. And then when yeah. I went off it, I was like, hello, like knock, knock, is anyone awake in there? And then of course, when I started tracking and really paying attention and like, you know, noting and documenting like fluid and changes in everything, I was like, whoa, none of this has happened while I've been on contraception. Mm. Like there was no mucus. There was nothing yeah, like, yeah. you know, that's what I said. I, I felt like my reproductive system was asleep and it's only yeah. through tracking um, that I've been able to become really aware and actually know when I'm ovulating. And for me, it's day 17. Like, you know, I think we get fixed into these, oh, yep, day mm. 14, you know, and it's like, mm. how are you going to use alternative contraception or anything and track your cycles if you if you aren't paying attention to the the signs yeah. and the clues that your body's telling you yeah. and you know there's another very important thing here which is you know that idea of contraception in its own right is flawed because you know when we're looking at the fact that an egg lasts between 12 to 24 hours right and that in any given cycle you have three-day window mm. that you can actually conceive which leads to that 20 percent chance of conception why medicate a cycle for an entire 30 days mm. when really we are actually needing to, uh, you know, if you're not wanting to conceive, abstain from unprotected intercourse. Sure, use condoms, do whatever you want, but unprotected intercourse for a period of about three to maximum five days because that's how long the sperm lasts, mm. right? But even from the perspective of, of you know, well-being, physical well-being, sexual satisfaction, is incredibly augmented and improved as a result of not being on in a medicated contraception mm -hmm. because all of a sudden you know when we're looking at all of those hormones and what happens in terms of our mucus changes and everything else that lubrication around the vaginal area is really what's important mm -hmm. for sexual satisfaction yeah. right so often when we're talking about wanting to be as healthy as possible sexual satisfaction is a huge part of that yeah. and we miss that you know we miss that you know just think about it when you're not on the pill in the, in the periods and hormones are at the level that they need to be there is this you know kind of ab absolute change in how we feel throughout mm. the cycle you know and that lead up to ovulation is a 
great time. Mm. You know, you should be able to enjoy yourself, enjoy your body, enjoy your sexuality, enjoy the aspects of your own biochemistry that gives you those bliss and, you know, great chemicals that we should all be enjoying throughout the yeah. month. It's not just the, you know, the, the horribleness of getting a period. I mean, mind you, nobody enjoys, I mean, I know that I certainly don't enjoy having a period for seven days, mm. but you know, the, when that ends and the lead up to ovulation and obviously yeah. around ovulation time, it's, it's an incredibly enjoyable time for women if we understand what it is that we're looking at. And of course, on the other side of that, when women do have lots of symptoms, looking and understanding what is normal and what is it that we need to be aiming towards? Because there are a lot of women, unfortunately, that don't have and enjoy regular and normal reproductive symptoms and cycles. And that is definitely something that we want to also highlight because you see, what is normal in terms of a period? Well, what's actually normal is nothing. What do you mean? <laughs> you know? Well, basically, you should not have symptoms. There shouldn't be pain. There should be, sure, you feel more engorgement and more inflammation around reproductive organs and reproductive areas around ovulation time and around period time. Mm -hmm. But really, when we're talking about, you know, women who experience excruciating pain and lots of extra inflammation, you know, all of those imbalances within symptom, you know, when we're talking about symptoms, symptomology in periods, really, when we're looking at something that's completely balanced, in the scheme of things, we're looking at very, very mild to no symptoms at all. And that's interesting okay. because, um, and what we've touched on, I feel like most of us women are just unaware of what's normal. Mm. The things that aren't normal have been normalized, i.e. period pain and being on the pill. And we do want to make clear there is a time and place to be on the pill. We understand that. But I feel like, well... <laughs> circumstances being a midwife you know um some people no, look, you know, the, the reality with... is the reality is that for some women it's certainly an infinitely better choice than having unwanted pregnancies mm. and yeah, having a exactly right yeah. like from that perspective if we're looking at you know i don't think from the perspective of optimum health no, there no. is a time and a place to be on the pill however circumstantial lifestyle mm. social factors absolutely i think that you know for some women that is just the way to be because it's much better to be on the pill than to have a monthly abortion yes, right? yes. so you know from that perspective sure but then again these are choices that we make within our own you know kind of life and lifestyle because there are other options and so looking at all of those options in the context of what's important for us in our life is obviously the choice that we make and that's all great you know the fact that there are choices and that we can make them more power to you mm -hmm. however if we're looking at optimum health from a holistic perspective the best way in which we can actually augment and optimize the way in which our bodies operate is to allow it to give it the opportunity the options the building blocks for it to do what it does naturally right yep. and just because something is common period pain and you know you name it doesn't make it normal and I think that that's the really important thing for us to you know consider just because people go on the pill it's common it doesn't make it normal it doesn't make it the ideal the yeah. optimal in terms of how body biochemistry actually develops over time and here's the thing about that that's extremely important you know you go on the pill for 10 years you make your ovaries be asleep for 10 years 
And then all of a sudden, I want to try and get pregnant and have a baby. All of a sudden, I expect that in that month, everything is going to self-regulate. Mm, yeah. Well, actually, your ovaries haven't done what they you know, ordinarily would do for a very long time. Mm. It often takes a bit of time. Yeah, you hear of those people who get off the pill and get pregnant straight away. Those cases are not actually that common. No. <laughs> because yeah. they are so uncommon, they get talked about. Right. Right. Or because it's but, not planned. They're like, God, I stopped yeah. the pill and the next day I was knocked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think that all of those things need to be viewed under context. But, you know, yeah. absolutely. I think that it, I think that women, in order to have a, a, the ability to feel self-empowered, right, the ability to actually know how your body works, how your body operates and how you can best support your own body, it's mm. about really starting to become clear about what is it that my body does? What is it that I expect? How is it that my body responds? I mean, think about it. When you're preparing for a comp, are you comparing yourself to every other girl who has taken that exact same way of doing it and how your body is responding versus somebody else? No, you're actually comparing yourself with yourself. Mm. Uh, it's, yeah. it's what we call in clinical research as an N of one experiment. Mm. Literally, it's what you do versus what you change and how that you know makes your body respond. And so essentially, it's about looking at that. I think that we all need to become our own N of ones, mm. you know, to be able to really understand how is it that our own bodies respond? What are the things that happen? And when I make adjustments and I make changes that are going to help and optimize my own health, how is it that my body responds differently mm. as yep. a result of that? Right. You know, one of the most important things that we can do as women, really, one other than, of course, charting our cycles, because that's going to be absolutely vital. The next thing is actually really reducing our exposure to plastics. Mm. Yeah, so okay. tell us a bit more about Every that. Kind. That's something that um, I'm not familiar on is um the whole estrogen dominance plastics and how that sort of relationship is um you know is there what do you recommend and is there a right and a wrong or you know because sometimes it's not as clear-cut as saying don't drink out of a plastic cup ever again you know so what sort of um advice would you give out in that regard yeah look i mean there are in my own for my own look give you an example Glass. Oh God! Yeah. I've got Tupperware. No, I'm gonna hide my. <laughs> you see, phthalates, which is those bottles that they're made out of. It's what makes plastic soft. Uh, it's, oof, hey, ladies, I'm so glad we're having this conversation today. Yeah, I'd love to, to ask you. I think because obviously we can talk about this for seven hours. How about oh, yeah. today? I would love to learn from you. So, what actually can cause an irregular cycle, PCOS, and endometriosis and what can we do like if we can just yeah. i would love just for today how mm. about that yeah what causes absolutely it? And what are some things we can do please yeah fantastic oh well so how about we just get really practical and yeah. you know talk about some of the important highlights that are going to make a difference in terms of a woman's reproductive cycle please. because there are many as you said there are many things one of the things that i talk about okay so anything in the environment that has an endocrine component to it that can has in some way the ability to affect hormones and the hormone receptor sites that these types of you know components can actually fit into particularly estrogen receptor sites they're going to actually exacerbate and augment the effect 
of those hormones because they're hormone-like, right? So hormones work like a lock and key. You get the, the lock, the key is whatever's coming out from the environment, hits into that uh, particular, you know, lock, and then all of a sudden it turns that key in a certain way. And as a result of that, you have a specific effect. Mm-hmm. So what happens is this, estrogens and chemical components and compounds in the environment, they are even more potent than our own hormones as a key to those receptor oh, sites, wow. to those locks, okay? So what ends up happening is that whatever it is that in your environment has an estrogen dominant or an estrogen estrogenic component to it, it will have a negative impact on your hormonal balance, mm-hmm. okay? And those components that this order, the way in which that lock and key system operates causes a lot of reproductive dysfunction, Okay, so we've got plastics. We've got plastics, we've got chemicals, cleaning products, huge, huge endocrine disruptors. You know, like the second that you're using things like bleach bleach and GIF and the mestos, and, you know, most people blow their minds when, you know, oh, one thing that is absolutely the most toxic, you know, endocrine disruptive thing that you can use, and most people have in their homes. Don't say tan. Oh, no! I won't say tan. You know, my face may say different things, but no, here's, here's one thing that you oh really God. need to be really aware of. You know, those, those, um, air freshener things that people put onto their, oh, yeah. that they spray in their home, that they yeah. put into their, you know, um, whatever PowerPoints. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Those things are some of the most, any fragrance, oh God. perfumes, you know, yeah. I mean, you name it, any man-made fragrance products from anything that you buy that says fragrance actually yeah because i spilled a candle one of those candle things on my windowsill i woke up and the paint came off the windowsill i'm like holy shit this stripped the paint stripping my life (laughs) every day because it was my favorite smell Mm. and i just threw everything out yeah so all of these things so you know anything that you look look in my home we clean with eucalyptus oil water vinegar that's it yeah. That's what and, my mum makes so, up in a spray bottle. We, yeah, we use, okay. we use um, Dr. Broner's uh, Castile soap for pretty much anything else. Where do you get and that? And you can buy it online. You can buy it in health food shops. You know, you can buy it anywhere. So basically the reality of it is that any of those man-made chemicals, like I don't use washing detergent and, you know, all what of these What do you wash things in? Sorry, I want alternatives because I'm freaking out right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. Eucalyptus oil is a great alternative. So, you know, you just put a 10 to 20 mils in a load of washing. It smells amazing. It cleans. It's fantastic. So, you know, I buy the 20 litre vats, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's essentially how we do it here. But, you know, the reality of it is that I would recommend starting with the things that are the easiest. Right? Yeah. There's lots yeah. of uh, things that you can do. One of the things that we teach people who go through, we've now taken over 137,000 people in more than 100 countries through one of our programs called the Fertility Challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the Fertility Challenge, we actually teach, these are typically for people who are trying to conceive and have been infertile for a while, but these environmental pieces are definitely something that I talk about and that I teach a lot because a lot of people don't realise how big of an impact they have. I mean, it's something that I did talk about in the book, Infertility Breakthrough, so it's also, you know, on there. But here's the thing. Start with the things that are obvious, like the water bottles, 
yeah. right? Yeah. Get yourself some glass water bottles. Like, you know, this is, this is the um, soda stream. Yeah. This yeah. is the, so, the glass soda stream bottle. So, you know, obviously the, for us, and obviously because I know this and have known it for a very long time, and obviously I aim to practice what I preach, I never yeah. recommend my patients do anything that I wouldn't do myself. This is essentially how I live my life. Mm-hmm. And it serves me extremely well because you know what? I have zero period symptoms mm. ever, mm. right? After I have figured this out and put these pieces in place, and I, I have gone through periods of like, I had a period of about eight years where I had like a period every two years, mm-hmm. you know? So the reality is that the body responds amazingly if you give it the opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. So you want to, okay. Tupperware containers, my God, I think of the past. I use Pyrex. Yeah. The plastic lids are fine as long as they're not touching the food. I certainly don't, you know, put things like that in the microwave. They leach into the food. Yeah. You then have oh those local keys exacerbating all of the, you know, the huge impact. So things like, you know, having a thermos, mm. stainless steel thermos, you put your hot food in there, you close it up. It's going to be hot when you want to eat it. You know, yeah, those are some cool. alternatives that you can actually implement and that still are not going to cost you your health. Because no. at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the cost to your health, yeah. right? A lot of women, female reproductive cancers are mm. exacerbated by these endocrine disruptors. I mean, think about, you know, breast cancer. They're mostly estrogen dominant. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so what happens is that by us taking control of the things that we can change in our environment, we're making a huge investment in our long-term health, mm. not just our fertility. So, you know, looking at the chemicals that you bring into the home, like ideally you want to have no chemicals. You want to have a under the sink laundry cabinet and, you know, uh, kitchen cabinet that doesn't have. When, when we do the fertility challenge, you should see uh, one of the things, one of the exercises that I give people to do is actually to go and get every chemical component, compound product in their home and put it in a place where they can see it all in one place. Mm-hmm. Because here's what happens. Yeah. And then their job is actually to go and either, you know, recycle those chemicals or give it to people who would use them, unfortunately, who choose that that's the thing for them. Women's shelters, they usually take cleaning products, you know, that you can, you know, give them away and, and all of that. But the reason that you want them out of your house is because guess what? If they're there, they're outgassing. Mm. Oh my god! I just have the sudden urge to go home and just like do everything. (laughs) Thank you for sharing this because these are things that may be in the back of our mind, but because you're reiterating its importance, I have now that urgency to just really take it on board. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, and I think like. You know, like you're saying, Gabby, you know, it is about starting small. It's the same as like if you're in a fitness journey, you don't just, you know, yes. throw the baby out with the bathwater, as I always say. You start <laughs> yeah. small and you yeah. and you um, skyrocket up. And I think something, yeah. I obviously still drink out of Tupperware. I'm probably going to um, change oh. that now. But Okay, so now actually that's one. I have to stop you right there in the, in the tap water thing that I just heard. Please, just oh, one shit. moment. Because you see, here's... There was a study that was done recently, actually, and it showed that in tap water, there were close to 700 chemicals and medication compounds from all sorts. Because, you know, all the water, think about it. Women taking the pill, they pee, then they, the water gets recycled, it gets oh, into the water. Dear. So you're, if you drink tap water, you're drinking a whole lot of chemicals, hormonal compounds, and you name it, yeah. right? So that is the one, like, if you do nothing else out of this podcast interview today, ladies, <laughs> nothing else, 
buy yourself a proper water filter. I'm going to buy a water proper. filter after this. What I'm going like to proper, buy one. Yeah, let's talk about what proper What's proper? Means. Proper is a 0.5 micron filtration that removes fluoride, ideally. Right, I'm going to write this down. 0.5 micron filtration. 0.5 microns. And, and I'll tell you what that looks like. So basically, 0.5 microns is essentially, just to give you an idea, those British, probably shouldn't say names, but, you know, those jugs. Doesn't matter. We need help. What do I get? They're like, you know, between, they're around three microns. They're from Kmart, those ones, aren't three they? To five, three to five microns. Mm. So basically, what you want is not that. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, what you want is not a filter that attaches to your tap that is a, a one to two to three microns. You want something that is much finer than that. Mm. An underbench system is typically what you do. Uh, when, even when I used to rent, I actually just put a water filter in a sink in the place yep. that I was renting. And I, you know, because when you, when you leave to remove that is very simple. They put a little, um, a, a plug on there, just looks completely normal. doesn't damage the surface. It's perfectly fine. The thing about it though, is that your health will benefit from it in a, a million fold. Yeah. And here's why the second that you're not taking, like, honestly, think about it. Antidepressants, uh, the oral contraceptive pill, all of those things end up in tap water. Oh, so you're actually by drinking tap water you're drinking all of these chemicals that your body does not need and if you're drinking like we should be drinking three liters of water a day yeah that's a huge amount of chemicals yeah. that we're getting into our bodies every single day so what i have in my house i actually there's a, a fantastic very inexpensive um filter system um freshly squeezed water co if you're in australia you can just call them up and freshly squeezed water co sorry I'm, fresh, I'm writing all this down yeah freshly squeezed water co yep. triple system is the one triple, that i recommend that's what i have in my house yep. in my office yep. and i get the fluoride cap, um, capsule as well yep. and honestly it is one of the best things because you know that then and i cook so all of my cooking water comes from my water filter yeah all of my vegetable salad washing water comes from my water filter mm. right you then basically utilizing the water that you ingest mm. from a filtered source. And then you want to double that up. So if you, again, if you do nothing else, change your water, change your water bottles and your food containers. Yeah. And that's, yeah. a, that's a big step. Right? Game changers. Game, you know, if you want to attack, you know, the, the, the biggest things, um, that would be the takeaway. And we might even chuck that in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, because those three, those the, literally, those three things are going to make an incredible difference to your hormonal health. Yeah, and right. that walking because tea analogy was brilliant. Mm. I don't want that in my. Yeah, no, that was great because there's so much in this, and it's so easy oh, to get lost. Yeah, that's why a lot of women and men feel mm. like we don't know much about this because it's so scientific and mm. and full on. Where I'm actually loving these easy steps that I will yeah. remember yeah. to actually go and apply. Well, I think the thing as well is like, like you said, Gabby, you can do so much, but yeah. you know, and it's easy to become overwhelmed. And like, even this year we spoke earlier about, I've sort of tried to take more natural things like using less products. I'm using natural shampoos and conditioners. I've always wanted to yeah. have a water filter. So I'm definitely doing that. Oh, now. Mate. Um, at work, always <laughs> putting my food up on a plate. Like it's another, yeah. another yes. Yes. 
even if huge. I have to take it in a container, I can still heat it up on, um, you know, a proper plate. So there's lots of things, but something I wanted to talk about was um, that I've noticed with myself is products, skincare and makeup. Ever since I've switched yes. from like the chemicals to only natural sort of mineral, um, based. mineral based, I don't wash my face with anything anymore. I use like a natural shampoo and conditioner, like my skin, um, my hair, my nails, like everything is just so much better. And I often get people yeah. ask me like, what do you use on your skin? And I'm like, nothing. Like I used yeah. to have me quite too. bad skin. I used to have like, you know, problem spots and now I I just, I don't. And I was like, I wonder if it's because I've removed all this stuff. Well, and see, here's the thing. There's, there's a, it absolutely makes a huge, huge difference because, again, we're getting back to that hormonal balance. Whenever you're looking at pimples, skin issues, you know, all of that kind of thing, what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to improve liver detoxification. Okay, because what that does is it actually helps to take out the excess hormones out of the system. And typically it happens via our stools in the majority of times. So the liver, you know, subconjugates the hormones, it basically breaks it all down, the, the intestines get it out of the system. Now, if you're experiencing constipation, if you're not actually having enough fiber, if you're not having enough water, what happens is that the stools stay in the gut for longer which gives it the opportunity to reabsorb those hormones and recirculate it into the system. So the second that we improve our bowel movements, our liver function, all of that improves. There is one elixir remedy that I recommend for anybody who actually wants to optimize their hormonal levels, and that's called the lemon drink, the whole lemon drink. I, if you just Google whole lemon drink Gabriella Rosa, you will find the recipe, right? And so that's in your book as well, isn't it, Gabby? It's also in the book. Can we still share yeah, it here too, please? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell us more. Yeah, Tell so, us more, Gab. So, <laughs> so basically, in fact, I'll just quickly go through it because um, let me get let me get lemon drink. I'm just this is what I'm doing. Lemon drink Gabriella Rosa. And this is not the lemon detox diet, just for any. This is not the lemon detox diet, please, ladies. Let's not get that incorrect. Okay. Now, definitely not, Jesus. Um, Okay. Okay. So here's the thing with the whole lemon drink. The whole lemon drink you did in a blender, right? And if you're counting macros, you want to make sure that you account for these macros because it is definitely going to give you your Full probably day of fat intake. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's uh. Well, no, you'll, you know, you'll, 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 you'll be high. It'll be high. Health first. Uh, but, <laughs> but, health, but health first, because guess what? By actually having sure you can, you can actually adjust that portion within. You know, if, if you're really seriously counting macros, you might want to adjust the recipe slightly for what you're wanting to achieve in your day. Yeah. In terms of your macros, however. If you, if you follow the, the basic formula of this drink, it is incredible. The difference that you have in period pain, in acne, in, you know, just the ability to actually eliminate through your body in a much better way, liver detoxification improves dramatically. And that, because the liver is responsible for over 500 enzyme systems in the body, everything that the body does requires liver interaction in some way shape or form so mm. if it's not working effectively guess what biochemically we're going to be sub suboptimal at best yeah okay so anything that is bitter 
helps to improve liver function. Mm -hmm. So those bitter leaves, those, you know, vinegar, you know, yep. all of those things will really yep. help to improve liver function. But honestly, in 20 years in clinical practice, I have not found something that is more effective in a faster way than the lemon drink. That's why I started recommending it. That's why I, yep. to this day, I still recommend it. So it's one whole lemon. It's one and a half cups of filtered water, ladies. Mm -hmm filtered water, mm -hmm. um, two to three dessert spoons of, I, I prefer fish oils because fish oils yep. Yep. have in its, its, in its uh, composition, they're much more what the body actually needs to be able to absorb, to be able to utilize for hormonal balance. Okay. Mm. So you can also use coconut oil though. MCT oil is great. Mm -hmm. Okay. For this as well. So you can definitely use that. Then we use a heaped dessert spoon of lecithin. Or if you don't want to use lecithin, you can actually put in a raw egg. What's lecithin? Yeah, what's lecithin? Lecithin is basically Oops. an emulsifier. <laughs> oh. What it does is it actually blends the water oh. and the oil. Yeah. Oh, so cool. it helps to, and also you need lecithin for absorption of your fatty, your um, fat-soluble vitamins. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's really important for that absorption, really important for that utilization of the nutrients that you mm. intake. So if we don't have that, um, you said an egg, didn't you? You can use an egg. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. does the same, the same kind of, the same kind of uh, thing. Is it the yolk and or the fats in the egg that does it? It's the fat. Yeah. It's, it's basically yeah. the, yeah. So, and also, this, you know, some of the vitamins that within the egg, they, they help to emulsify. Yeah. So then we've got uh, a capsule of vitamin E. And that's because it's an antioxidant and the drink, the way that you do it is you make it. I mean, if, you, if there are two of you, you would basically drink half and half, right? I normally recommend that this drink, this, this be drunk twice a day. Yep. So that one recipe makes enough for two drinks. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if there's two of you, what I would do is I would basically both of you have it, like make it once both of you have it and then make it again in the afternoon. However, if you want to just make it for yourself, what you do is you drink half now, you put half in the fridge. What will happen is that typically it will actually harden because mm. of the fats in, in, the, in the drink. So what you do is you just put it in a little bit of like you boil water in a container, you put the boiling water in the container, you put the glass, you're, you're storing this in glass. Okay, a glass yeah. jar mm. does the job. So you then put that glass jar inside just to make sure that it emulsifies and kind of goes back to room temperature, shake it, drink it. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and the only other thing that you add in there is a knob of ginger about the size of a golf ball. And that in itself, when it comes to hormonal and period pain and all sorts of different hormonal issues in terms of women's health, it is an amazing, amazing, amazing remedy. Mm -hmm. It really does help to improve so many different aspects within women's health that I, I can't rave about it enough. It's mm -hmm. so great. So it's really simple. That's it. You just put all of that in the thing. You blend it for about three minutes, two to three minutes, because then if you blend it for that long, you don't have to strain it. I'm a little bit lazy when it comes to these things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just put it in, I blend it for three minutes, drink it. That's Can it. I ask, do you, um, do you squeeze the stuff out of the capsules? Like say you were using fish oil capsules. No. Or do you just oh. put the whole capsule in? Yeah, so that's fine. Shove it in. You know, yeah, that wouldn't so be too bad on the macros, I wouldn't imagine. No, it wouldn't like, be, actually. It wouldn't be. It'd probably... 
It's the oils. Yeah, it's the oils, but, but that'd I be just, what twenty grams. <laughs> I just wouldn't. Yeah, you know, I just wouldn't. No oil for the day. I just. Drink well, that's the thing. That's the thing. You can just do it like that. Yeah, no, I love it's that. A bit, it's a little bit more. Little and bit. you know, I was reading a study the other day that was talking about omega threes and fish oils for period pain, saying that um, you know, it the the rate of improving period pain is um three times as better than taking non-steroidals like ibuprofen or whatever. But we often revert or recommend yeah. or prescribe taking yeah. um, ibuprofen over fish oil. When if you can take something like fish oil instead, yeah. why wouldn't you do it? Oh, but you know why? I'll tell you why. One, it's expensive. Mm. Two, it's actually long-term. Mm. So yeah. what happens is in a period when you're having pain right now, most people think short term, I'm just yeah. going to take ibuprofen and that's just how I'm going to resolve my problem. But really in terms of women's health, we need to think long term. Yeah. Right? And when it comes to our health in general, we really need to think long term because, you know, you're not living for tomorrow or five years from now. We're living for the next 50 years. Yeah. You know, like the reality is that anybody listening to this podcast right now has at least another 50 years of life left. I hope so. We hope so. Like, yeah. No, no, no. The way, look, it, this is not even a hope. This is just how science is actually progressing is that our generation, the generation of our children, right, they're going to live for over 100. Yeah. That is just how it is. There's all the, all the research points to this direction, which means that do you really want to live to 100 with terrible quality of life, not being able to remember your yeah. name or wipe your own bum? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the statistics of um, dementia and Alzheimer's and everything around women and with contraception and everything, like it's a bit scary as well. So there is so Absolutely. much to, to dig into and it, um, it's quite daunting and a bit scary when you start being like, hell, like, you know, but this is why like women like you and why we love this platform is to be able to just put the knowledge out there. Cause it's really just about getting the conversation starting. You don't have to be superwoman and do it all. Um, but it's yeah. just about, um, you know, awareness is choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then that way you can actually start to understand and you will improve incrementally over time. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes you, you will do this now and you'll start to get used to that. And then you actually add a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And yeah. that changes, you know, when we look in the context of, you know, what a 2% improvement in an area looks like over the long term, it's an immense difference, right? Yeah. It's the, the impact of the minor factors. One minor factor, three year, two years. Two yeah. minor factors, seven years. Three minor factors, 40 years. That's essentially what we're dealing with. Yeah, we're dealing with the impact of compounding effects of the things that we do in our life. Yeah. And the more that we can actually skew the odds of optimization to our benefit, mm the better for us. Yeah. Can uh, I just ask about one, one thing? So we've covered plastics, fragrances. Um, you've given us the secret recipe for the whole lemon drink. I'm telling that. What so. about... What is what about caffeine? Because I my periods oh. are regular. Is caffeine... <laughs> Oh, this right. is serious because, yeah, one of my Chinese herbal medicine um, practitioners said, look, ease up on the caffeine. Now, how yeah, you're, in you're comparison good. to plastics and things, where does that come on the spectrum? You, you are now making me the most unpopular person in the universe. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I'll be thanking you when my periods are regular. Don't you worry. Um, okay, so caffeine. Um, how about this? How about this? How about we actually did an evidence-based infographic for our clinic, for our patients about caffeine and the impact of caffeine on reproductive health. 
how about I give you that link? Please. No, <laughs> share it in the show notes. Yeah. And, and, you know, you have a read for yourself. But the short and the long of it is this. Anything that's going to put pressure on the adrenals, mm. which obviously caffeine does. I actually didn't start drinking caffeine until I was 39 years of age. Mm. And the only reason I started was because I was going through a ridiculous workload through Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> and I think caffeine did give me my Harvard award. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd like to thank so, um, my double long black. I, I like oh, to, exactly. I like to t- like thank my caffeine. Um, because, <laughs> you know, it was, it was intense. It was intense. And, you know, mm. at the time I had to read like 20 papers a week and, you know, they're like every, every paper, 20 pages. And it's like this writing that's like this big mm. that you're just going, oh my God. So I would fall asleep each time that I started reading these things. And then one day I'm like, okay, I need something to keep me awake. I need to be able to read this. And I basically drank a coffee and I was like, woo, okay, I can read. And, you know, like yeah. just, I, it, it really helped from that perspective. But even so, when I'm not actually in that mode, I don't drink coffee. Mm. Why, 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 why? <laughs> the reason is that it impacts your adrenal function, which impacts mm. your hormonal balance, which also impacts your nutrient levels within your body. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. Because so, you've been on a de- detox for how long from caffeine? Now, Nearly two weeks. Thing, ladies, that's massive. Know, know this decaf is no better. Yeah. We've got a good one. Yeah, because decaf yeah. doesn't mean caffeine free. Yeah, but it's like 98%. Not what only what that. about organic? Not only Look that. Look at me clutching at straws. <laughs> Please, Give tell me, me what can I have? Um, here's the thing as well. The thing with caffeine is that, well, the thing with coffee, a lot of people focus on the caffeine, but there are many other pro-inflammatory compounds in coffee. Okay. That will exacerbate period pain, that will exacerbate hormonal imbalance, that will exacerbate all of those things that we're talking about that we're wanting to ideally improve, which means that you remove the caffeine typically through solvents, which are chemical compounds. Even organic? Blah, blah. Yes, absolutely, even organic. So you're removing the chemicals with a solvent, right, which is a chemical. Yeah. And so ultimately... You're just crushing us. (laughs) but you know what Gab, <laughs> I, audience needs to know i just love having answers because not knowing is more painful than than someone telling me to remove caffeine yeah like and, actually and, having and answers is a freaking relief yeah and so you know like again you've made me the most unpopular person in the universe thank you for that but the reality of it is that if you're looking it depends on your outcome. It depends on what it yeah. is that you're wanting to yeah. achieve, right? And like I said, for me, if I'm not like, you know, at a particular crazy time of my life having to get stuff done, I just won't drink it. I just, it's just not something that, you know, I'll, I'll do um, because it's just not good for me. You know, I have this kind of, and for a long time, and I think it's probably my training, you know, it's, I actually look at, things in a very objective and very clinical way. It's like, is this going to help and improve my body and my biochemistry or is it not? If it's not, 
I'm going to like I, that's the same reason as to why I don't drink any alcohol, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs, never have, because ultimately I'm looking at the fact that I'm going to be living to close to a hundred, and I want to have quality of life. Yeah, uh, I want to have cl- quality of. I don't. I want to know my name. When and I'm that's why I feel like you're the same age as us, just sitting here having a conversation. Like mm. you know, it's a testament to you of how well you know you looked after yourself and. That's, you know, health, health comes first. Um, I think with Cassie, Absolutely. Well, you know, we all do love a coffee. The devil is always in the dose though. And I feel like with me, you know, I was starting to get up to three a day and it just wasn't okay. Cause I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't functioning properly. And now that it's mm. almost been two weeks, I just feel clearer. As do cliche you? as yes. that that's sounds, cool. yes. I just, I don't wake up anxious. I don't. And you know what? Yeah, mm. absolutely. And you know, the reason that that happens is actually because your sleep quality improves off yep. caffeine rem has so, gone up by an hour average oh that's massive over the last two yeah months. there you go well there you're measuring it, it. Yeah, yeah exactly so there you go so you know you don't have to take my word for it just look at your numbers yeah. but I'm like, damn it <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. your sleep quality your depth of sleep your absolute improves off caffeine 100 mm. so you wake up feeling more refreshed yeah. feeling healthier feeling better and over time it's that extra depth and quality of sleep mm. that you notice of yeah because obviously we spoke in the in the sleep podcast how important like deeper stages of sleep are and obviously everyone's talking about deep sleep you know that deep restorative physical sleep but you know not as much about the REM sleep which is that you know mental cognition um creative side and that's something that I've always accepted as being lower for me oh yeah I train hard in the gym I need more deep my body's prioritizing that but when in matter of fact I took away the caffeine um then first or within the first night or two it had gone up to over two hours and I've yeah. always only every average less than an hour so yeah. nothing yeah. else changed but my REM and I thought yeah. wow like you don't Amazing. know how good you can feel until you start, yeah. Um, yeah feel like shit for a while and then take it away. absolutely absolutely and, and you know this is such a such a huge and this is why you track your cycles track mm. your periods ladies mm. because you will not know in the period that you're in the, the lesser symptoms that you actually now have as a result of what you have been doing until you actually look back at your tracked cycles in the past. What will happen, and this happens every single time, we get so used to hedonistic adaptation. We get so used to a good thing. We get so used to having what we have that we think it's normal. Mm. Yeah. Right? The same way happens to the bad things. We get so used to experiencing them that we just think it's normal. It's not normal. Okay. But yeah. what happens is that when we start to make changes and make adjustments and, you know, change things within our biochemistry, our physiology, and our bodies, you forget what it felt like before. Mm. You haven't written it down. Mm. So make sure you have one place where you write all these things down because I promise you, even if you just do this as a challenge to yourself for the next three months, right? You will write those things down today and how everything happened on a daily basis for yourself. You go back to it three months later and you go, oh my God, I can't believe that I had all of these symptoms or that I felt this way yeah. back then. Mm. Yeah. So just because to, you start um, feeling better and you just think that it's normal. Mm. Yeah. So just to confirm, when you say track the cycle, even if we're not bleeding, just write down anything that we're feeling, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And look, you know, the natural, I think it's called natural contraception and I'll have a look at it and let you know if, um, if it's a different name, but I'm pretty sure it's called natural contraception, the name of the app or natural yeah. cycles. 
anyway, I'll, I'll, mm. I'll, yeah, it's, it's natural something. Um, and what you do, if you want to get really focused and, and, you know, by really focused, there are lots of ways that you can do this now with ba- uh, charting your basal body temperature because your basal body temperature tells you when you're about to ovulate and that's what gives you the predictability the accurate predictability of when you're ovulating and when you're about to get a period because yeah. what happens in a woman's cycle is that for the first half the follicular phase it's going to basically be lowish around your temperatures are going to be lowish around the 36.3 mark if it's much below that you know that you most likely have a thyroid dysfunction mm. right so you want to be having your your and, and this is like another really fantastic reason as to why you track mm. your body basal temperatures because and when you track your body basal temperatures it's first thing in the morning literally you've just woken up you reach over for your thermometer put it in your mouth under your child waiter to it beeps put it into right i usually used to have oh. like a notepad you know, my thing, and I would just put the day and the notepad, and then I would enter it all at one time like um, but, but for the week. But basically, it's just that. It literally mm. takes you two seconds to yeah. do. You obviously, get into the routine of doing it, and then you just do that. Mm. So for the follicular phase, the first half of the cycle, you will notice that your temperatures will hang and hover around the 36.3 mark centigrade. Then what happens is that when you're about to ovulate, one to two days before ovulation, it will drop Yeah. really you know, quite significantly. And then it will whoosh up to like around the 36, 6.9, 8, you know, 36.8, 36.9, 37. Anything 37 and above means pregnancy typically. Mm. And you don't see that until about a week after ovulation. Mm. Okay. That's actually how, you know, our patients, we know they're pregnant way before they can even test because we're looking at their charts. Yeah. And often we're having that conversation yeah. going, oh, okay, look at Things are happening. That's great. Yeah. So, okay. you know, so basically in that second cycle, when your, tem- and your temperatures will hover in that second half of the cycle, the luteal phase, for about, I don't know, 36.5 to 36.8 or thereabouts is essentially what, it, what you're looking at. That second half of your cycle, again, if your temperatures are dropping a lot, it typically means that there is an uptake, a hormonal uptake issue, mm. or there could be you know, a thyroid issue or your lining of endometrium is not, isn't actually responding to your hormones as effectively mm. as it could. Your progesterone could be low. So there's lots of you know, very granular information that you can get from these, you know, mm. from charting your body basal temperature. So if you don't want to do that, the very minimum is what my mum used to make me do, calendar on the wall. Literally just, you know, this is when I have periods. If I have specific symptoms, write it down. Cool. And that's that. But, you know, the more you start to get into understanding your own body signs, the more you can actually help yourself when things are not necessarily going to plan. And yeah. you can actually start to look at, for example, if, you, if you're not even thinking of getting pregnant, but you already know that you have a thyroid issue, you can start to do something about it now. Yeah. And then that way, because miscarriages are, you know, one of the biggest reasons as to why miscarriages happen is because of thyroid dysfunction. Mm-hmm. A lot, one of the biggest reasons as to why people, you know, have infertility long-term is also due to a thyroid dysfunction. Most people who are infertile, quote unquote, they're actually not unable to conceive. They're able to keep a healthy pregnancy to term. What happens is that a pregnancy actually doesn't, you know, as lack of a better word, it doesn't take, 
in that cycle. Uh, fertilization has happened, but placentation and implantation is not occurring. So most people who have been long-standing time to pregnancy or infertile for many years, it's not that they haven't actually been able to conceive. They can't see a positive pregnancy test because the pregnancy ends before it even begins. Mm. But generally what we're talking about is actually implantation failure and placentation failure you know, for those long-standing times of infertility. Like, you know, I've treated a woman once who was infertile trying to conceive for 19 years. Mm. 19. By the time she came to me, she was 44. Mm. And the reality was that it wasn't that she wasn't conceiving because she did IVF several times, which meant that we had an embryo put back. At any time you have an embryo put back, you are pregnant, mm. no matter what. But there was never a positive pregnancy test. Just not holding it, yeah. So you see, these are things that you start to be able to understand and realize and figure out mm. as you start to get comfortable and aware of what your hormones are doing, what your cycles are doing, and what it is that you need to do to optimize your own health. Mm. Yeah. It's so interesting yeah, as well, well, just about the temperatures. Like I've been tracking mine for six months now, and I noticed that when I came off contraception, I went through this like felt like menopause like my temperatures were absolutely nuts like 37 plus I felt yeah. like I was febrile and remember I posted on my story like what am I doing like someone mm. like, I was doing insane things like sleeping with an ice pack at one stage like to try and cool myself down um and then I sort of clicked on to perhaps why this was happening because then my period returned to normal after that yes. after about that yes. three month mark and I was like my hormones were just going nuts. Like I was yeah. sleeping on one of those cold dog mats for a while. Yeah. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Am I menopausal? Um, yeah. Now, yeah. like I've even got all the data with my temperatures. Like now yeah. I definitely mimic that. Like mine goes up by about 0.3 um, around yeah. ovulation, and then pretty much normal, like no change, yeah. seven, five consistently. So, but during yeah. this time, it was just like red hot lines for my temperature. Yeah. Yeah, and that happens, you know, when, when there is hormonal imbalance, particularly with women with PCOS, they're typically just going to see this up and down, up and down, up and down, and like big deviations of up and down. And then what will happen is that they will eventually get an up and down that sustained up, and then you know ovulation has occurred, mm -hmm. right? But the reason is that the body is trying to mm -hmm. ovulate, you know, it's, like doing, it's really... Yeah trying yeah but it's not actually succeeding and so you know there are ways in which you can actually address that i mean in our clinic we use herbal medicines we use nutritional supplementation we use diet lifestyle you know all of those things but um mm -hmm. but uh, uh, the whole lemon drink the ice pack <laughs> mm -hmm. yes all of those things we we leverage so and you do that because obviously we want speed and we want sustained results right yeah. because the, the goal here is conception and obviously keeping a healthy pregnancy to term so, you know, but all of these things, in my opinion, are things that you do way before you're wanting to start trying to That's conceive right. because then you have an easier time. That's you right. know, for me, when I decided that I wanted to have my first child, even though I had gone through, you know, times in my life where I hadn't had a period for two years, when I decided two years before that, okay, well, in a couple of years, I really want to start, I started to really narrow down and focus on the things that was going to improve my hormonal balance and started to chart really closely you know, so that then when we decided that we wanted to try to conceive, I actually ended up conceiving first try. Mm, great. But that could only happen because I knew my cycles, because my ovulation yeah. happened at day 33. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's right. been the takeaway for today. And, um, you know, as we've been saying, this is massive topic and we can talk for hours, but I really love that those key takeaways that you sort of mentioned, you know, start small, start with the obvious things yeah. that you mm. can do. 
and be self-aware. Mm. So even if it's just taking your temperature when you wake up every morning, removing some plastics, um, I would yeah. love to challenge everyone who listens to do one thing different. Yeah. Just uh, one just small start. And then Wouldn't it be great? Let's let's get that on, happening on Instagram. Yes, Tag show us well. what you're doing. I'm gonna bloody yeah. as soon as I get home, I'm throw or giving away or throwing out all my chemicals. Yeah. Water filter. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. You're doing. Yeah. A, I yep. Yeah, yep. do this water. Um, You've given so, me the nice so water. Thanks. Tag, tag Gabriella Rosa Fertility. Yeah. yeah. Tag Gab. Um, give us your plug where can people find you contact you because obviously you know but we're all in those fertile ages at the moment so um give us your handles yeah look um, gabriella rosa fertility on instagram and if you just literally gabriella rosa g-a-b-r-i-e-l-a so it's one l r-o-s-a if you google that you'll find me i'm everywhere Mm. i'm everywhere and we would absolutely love to have you back just to expand on some of the the topics you know whether we do talk about pcos and endometriosis a bit more or even women's sexual satisfaction who doesn't want to learn about that yeah that's a actually that's my that's my research project for this year um is actually we're doing we're doing a a clinical trial on female sexual satisfaction that's interesting because everyone talks about you know it's all about the Males, yeah, bloody. good guys finish last and all this bullshit. Like, clinically applicable. Oh god, we could talk for ages, and um, you know, I hope you girls have got some value from this episode. Yeah. I know I've sure learned a lot. Oh um, yeah, you know, Gabby's got a wealth of knowledge. So again, if you have um taken any insight from this, please do take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram, tag myself, tag Danielle, and of course tag Gabby. Um, and the Level Up Podcast. That's it. Thanks so much Yay. for coming on, Gab. Really appreciate Oh, it's such a pleasure. Such a great time. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I'd love to be back. We will talk again soon.